middle schooler and high schooler, middle school through high school, Jacob and Angela, where are they at? They're right there. Oh, they're I should have known. I saw your pretty face. And Eliana, so they're here, middle school through high school. Jimmy, you have been out of high school a really long time. Sit down. Where are you going? All right. As long as I have been. So middle school, high school. So that's you. Stand up and go now and hang out with them. They'll have a good time just chilling out with them. And we have a special, special guest today. And he gets the award. He gets the award for coming the furthest to church this morning. I don't know if any of you could beat Mexico. Anybody come further than Mexico? And I'm not talking about Missouri. I'm talking about the country of Mexico. Well, Brady Cohen, come on. You guys want to just stay down here? You've got this microphone here. I'll let the other Pastor Brady uh, introduce you. But by the way, if you are a guest or a visitor today, we're so excited that you're here. When you're done with the service, Stephanie right here, Stephanie, raise your hand. She'll be out at the welcome table, out to the left. If you have any questions about our church, uh, we have a, a gift for you. Um, just for being here today, we thank you so much. So please ch check with Stephanie after the service. But Brady, go ahead. to share a few things about his testimony that God's put on his heart. Hi, everybody. I'm Alex uh, from Mexico. You know that. I'm very nervous. Sorry, it's my first testimony to people. <laughs> so um, three years ago, I, I don't know why, but I, I started. I, I need some help for, from Brady. For, I don't know how to speak very well. So... Uh, Hace tres años, three years ago, uh, empecé a, a ayunar. I began to fast. Uh, one, un día a la semana, todos los viernes, uh, hacía esto. One day a week, every Friday, I would dedicate to prayer and fasting. La, las personas me preguntaban que por qué lo hacía. Yo decía, no lo sé, I don't know. I don't know why I, why I do that, this. So, so people would ask me, why do you do this? Why are you fasting and praying? And he would say, I, I don't know why. So one and a half year ago, we were working together in, in Mexico City. And I, I felt uh, a little sick. So I go back to my city, to Guadalajara. Brady comes here. And when I was in Guadalajara, I, was, I, I felt uh, very sick. I go to the hospital to urgents, and in in one month, in one month, I had uh, nine operations, surgeries. My my stomach explode inside, my intestine explode. So I had a, a big infection. Um, I was very sick. I I, I almost died. Um, Many people started to praying for me, people who I never know, like you. Sorry. <laughs> I um at this time I'm 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 fine. My my last. Mm -hmm. 
My last surgery was uh, two months ago. Now, now I am okay. My family is very happy. And I, I, I only have one reason to be here to, to tell you thank you. Because now I know that um, when you pray, it's a, it's a power. But when I was in, in, in the hospital, every, every, después de cada cirugía? After each surgery, when I was in the hospital, the, the um, doctors told my family, my wife, my mother, my brothers, that only a, a miracle can save, save me. So, um, if you pray, you have the power to do a miracle like this. That's where I came. Thank you. It was, uh, I know it's always fascinating to me how like things like this kind of came to us this week and Brady was asking, hey, would it be okay if Alex just shared a little bit? I said, absolutely. And I wrestled a little bit with kind of the direction of the message and I really kind of landed on uh, this, uh, I'm going to share something with you that I shared in prison uh, a few weeks ago when we got a chance to go preach and lead worship in prison over in Lansing. And I shared about using our five senses to pray. And so we're going to do that this morning, but I'm going to do it in, in, a, in this way. I'm going to do it with the, this sense and idea of still thinking about the life of David, King David, you know, who conquered Goliath. And, and David was a man of prayer, and David had a heart for God. I mean, it's just, it's just obvious as, as you read through Scripture and as you read most of the Psalms, and David wrote a lot of them, you see that his heart was for God. Like he longed and he desired to, to please God. Now, was David perfect? Absolutely not. You'll read, we'll get to that next week, by the way. He wasn't perfect. He failed as a king. He failed as a leader. He failed as a man. And uh, all of us men uh, could all say amen to that, especially come next week when we talk about it. And by the way, just a, just a quick plug, if you are a man and you're listening to my voice, I don't know what you're doing Tuesday night, but Tuesday night, there's a cinema down on the plaza, and there's a movie going to be showing called The Heart of a Man, and it starts at 7 o'clock, and if you are a man and you can be there, I encourage you to, to meet me there at 7 o'clock. I'm going to go with a couple other guys. We're going we're gonna to go to Chewy's and eat Mexican food around 5.30. So if you want to do that, I know the stomach of a man. I know that. <laughs> and, uh, but if, you're, if you say, you know what, I'm in. And I guarantee you, you will be blessed by this movie because it will challenge you and it will really set up next Sunday's sermon in a very powerful way. So I'm sorry, ladies, but this is a man's night, all right? Heart of a man. 7 o'clock at the, some cinema down on the plaza. I don't remember, but you'll find it if, you, if you're interested. And in, talk to me about it later on. But David had a heart for God. He really, really did. And we see so much evidence of that in Scripture. And so I want you to turn to in, uh, the book of Psalms, 
to chapter 23. So Psalm 23, very familiar passage of scripture. We're going to read it two times today. We're going to read it. I'm just going to read it to you. And then at the end of the service, it's going to, we're going to look at it a little bit differently, okay? So Psalm 23. Some of you maybe have memorized this psalm before. Maybe it's just, and you've heard it uh, over and over again. If you've been to, a, any, if you've ever been to a funeral, you probably heard it read at a funeral. But it's, it's not just for funerals. It's, it's, there's so much to it. It's a psalm of David. It's a song of David or a poem of David. It's a prayer of David. And so I want you to, we're going to be talking about our, our senses. Now you know what those are, right? What are our five senses? Call them out. Oh, wait, they're up there. Yeah, hey, <laughs> boom. Sight, hearing, touch, taste, and smell. All of us possess those at some form or another unless, you know, um, when I was preaching this in prison, there was a guy there who was legally blind, so his sight's not quite the same as ours. He still has some of his sight, but not, not all of it. And, and maybe, maybe some of these senses are better than others for you. <laughs> like, I know my sight's not great, especially when I take my glasses off, but I have a really good nose. It's big, and it's good. I can smell really, really well, and my hearing's pretty decent, too. But the rest of it's not so good. And so let's, let's think about this, this sense of, uh, or these senses, and, we'll, and we'll, it'll make sense as we go through this. Psalm 23, David writes, he writes probably sitting in a field watching sheep. So you can imagine David's senses at that particular time, what was going on for him. And he writes these words, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever I think in order for us to truly have a heart for God there has to be at least some sense that we desire being alone with him to just sit in his presence. And I, as I was doing some, some study and just reading about, about this, there's all kinds of stuff, obviously, you can find about this passage and about David. And this guy I was talking about, he went and spoke at a conference. And it was a conference where there's a lot of pastors there from the same denomination, and they were all meeting there, and there's a lot of disunity and discord. They just weren't getting along very well. And the first thing this guy said when he got up on the podium, he said, I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you have spent time alone with God today? He said, out of 150 so pastors, only a few raised their hand. Now, these guys are the ones that are supposed to be shepherding the sheep. You would think they would get it, right? 
But they were honest. I said only a few of them did. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hands this morning. And even though you are here with a group of people, you can still spend some time alone today with God right here, right now. He's present with you. And you can imagine David, nothing but him, the sheep, the grass, and the stars. And he's just spending some time alone with God. Now, some of us are, we're just afraid to be alone. Or maybe we're afraid to be with people. I don't know. And we would prefer to be alone. But I think in order for us to develop a heart for God, we must spend some time with God. It makes sense, right? So let's use our senses today to learn how to pray. Like these are just some, this is just a sermon about different ways you can learn to pray, okay? So first, the first one we'll look at, we'll look at sight, okay? Right now, just look around you. I see my wife, I see my new friend Hannah, and I see some girls that I've known since they were small, I've seen some that I'm just getting to know. I see my friend Mike, man, don't you wish you had the joy Mike has when he plays his instrument? Man, David, in the Bible, you know, it talks about David. He danced with joy before the Lord and even got, like, criticized for it. And he's like, dude, you want to, I'll be even more undignified than this if you want me to. Let me just show you my passion for Jesus. Like, I love what Mike says. This is the best part of his week. Like, this moment right here, best part of his week. David danced with joy and he... But I just want you to look around. Just look and see the people next to you. Man, this precious little baby sleeping <laughs> on her mama's shoulder. And the reason why you want to look around you because you want to ask these questions. Okay, what do you see? And who do you see? And how can those things prompt you to pray? So this morning I pull up I'm in front of the school and there are a ton of a blue jays and squirrel. There's, there's a, there was like five or six blue jays all together in one little area. And you know what I thought about? I thought about West Platte because they're the blue jays. And then I thought about my daughter who coaches and teaches at West Platte. And then I prayed for my daughter. See how it works? It's just that simple. You don't have to be on your knees with your eyes closed in, in a church service in order to get this right. It just makes you think. It made me think about my daughter, and she coaches. Then I thought about some girls. Anybody here from West Platte? Anybody? Any Blue Jays? Oh, look at this. This is the Blue Jay section over here, all right? Pirates over here, Blue Jays over here, all right? They used to play each other back in the day. How does it prompt you to pray? Well, how does your vision cause you to, to want to pray for other people? And praying for other people is what we would call intercession, Okay, interceding for someone. That's a, you can learn that word today, intercede for someone. And to intercede for someone is to carry them to Jesus on your knees. Does that make sense? You're carrying them to Jesus on your knees. It's the most powerful place you can be, on your knees carrying others to Jesus. We're interceding for them. Jesus saw people when he walked on earth and he saw people and he had compassion for them and it prompted him 
not only to pray, but it prompted him to act. Which, by the way, if your vision causes you to pray and it also shows you something that you can do, then I encourage you to follow through with that. Follow through. And, and if there's something you can do to help that person, then I encourage you to do it. It says uh, Matthew chapter 9. Just, you can just write these things down or you can turn to them if you want to. I'm going to go through fairly fast. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd <laughs> like sheep without a shepherd psalm 34 5, uh, 15 where which is this, this is one that uh, david wrote says the eyes of the lord are on the righteous like he is watching he is looking he sees us so scripture just scripture itself is a good thing to use our eyes to see because it causes us to to pray and to think and meditating on his word meditating on his creation his and the revelation that comes through his creation is a powerful way to pray and when we look at psalm 23 again at the end of the service we'll look at it a little bit differently all right so that's sight you can see things that prompts you to pray obviously we just look around in the world just go to the grocery store um You'll see people, you'll, just driving down the road, you'll see people that, that can prompt you to pray. The next one is hearing. So listen with your ears, but not just your ears, but listen with your spirit. Like, because prayer is communication both ways. It's not just you talking, but it's you talking and it's also you listening. And you might not hear God's voice audibly, but he might speak to you like the God, the Lord, you ever had maybe just this thought like man I just feel like God just spoke to me through some other scenario some other situation but I feel like God was speaking to me I heard him with this with something different in my ears it's your spirit do you know God hears us when we pray I mean we hope so right we're like man that's that's key I mean I hope that he hears us the last part of Psalm 34, 15 says, and he hear, and his ears are attentive to their cry. So the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. That's pretty cool. You know what, what, how I picture that? I picture it like this, like God's like, he's leaning in. You know, he's like, he's bending his ear towards you. Like, don't you want someone to listen to you like that? Like when you have something to say that they would just stop doing what they're doing and just listen to you, even if it's not to give you any advice. Wives, would you just wish your husband would listen to you? Yes. Yeah, just, just I tell my wife, you got to tell me that. Like give me that, that, that little head, heads up. Like I just want you to listen to me. Don't, I don't need you to fix it. <laughs> just need you to hear me. It's so important that we do that. Psalm 5 is the Psalm of David, and it says, Listen to my words, Lord. Consider my lament. Um, 
the Greek word for lament would be whining. <laughs> you know, listen to my whining, Lord. Here I am again. It says, hear my cry for help, my King and my God, and for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I've shared that passage of scripture before, but it's one of my favorites. It's kind of like, blah, Lord. <laughs> Here it is. Hear it. And I wait for you to respond expectantly. Psalm 141 one is also a psalm of David, and it says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me. Hear me when I call to you. All right, so that's the Lord listening, but what about things that we hear? So let's spin it a little bit differently. What about um, things that you hear around you that prompt you to pray? So a long time ago, my sister was telling this story. She's a nurse, and she heard a siren and she was like, oh, I hope that's not my family. Her doctor that she worked for was an atheist. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. You hope it's not your family? But what about the other person's family? And she was like, whoa, that's right. I didn't even think about that. I need to stop and pray for the family that is res responsible for that siren. <laughs> or pray for the people that are on the ambulance headed that way, the first responders. I can pray differently when I hear a siren. Have you, do you ever do that? Like maybe as you're driving down the road, especially if you're with your family. Great lesson for your kids, parents. If you're in, with them in the car and you hear a siren, hey, we need to pray for whoever it is that needs that ambulance or that fire truck or whatever, or, and for the people who are going to, to bring aid. How about uh, kids laughing? Prompt you to pray. How about when kids are crying? And you want, well, there's a reason why they're crying. And, um, and praying for their parents who are dealing with their kids who are crying. You know, there's sound can prompt us to pray in lots of different ways. And I use this example. For one, music moves us. Music prompts us to pray. And there's so much power in music when we hear the words. And we, it's, uh, there's so much power in that. I used this example the other night when we were talking in prison. We, we have a fan in our room, and it blows all night long. And then at the end of the, the night, we get up in the morning, there's this sound that just prompts me to this reality. It's time to start today. The night is over. And that is when I push the button to turn the power off of my fan. It goes, beep. And I'm like, it's over. <laughs> I'm vertical now, no longer horizontal. And it's time to get on with the day. So I pray differently now when I'm standing up than when I was laying down. Maybe you have sounds like that. Maybe it's the garage door going closed or it's putting in the car into gear or whatever it is. Smell. Your nose knows. It, uh, your smell can warn us about danger. Smell can reward us. <laughs> you smell, smell pie baking yesterday in my house and it's sitting there on the counter in our kitchen waiting for me and the vanilla bean ice cream which will that'll we'll, be, we'll get together later on today but it's there and the smell smells are powerful uh it could cause me to remember does do you ever smell something and it takes you back somewhere you're like oh yes I remember that smell how many of you remember 
the perfume obsession. You remember that? Yeah, I just, you just remember that smell and it makes me think about uh, someone that I knew that wore that smell or it makes, or certain perfumes make me think about my mom growing up or, or something, that's a baking smell that, uh, that caused me to think about my grandma or whatever. But don't go back there as people come to mind without praying for them if they're still alive. Let that, that prompt you to pray. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, it says, But thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. We smell good. At least we should. <laughs> we smell like Jesus. We are the aroma of Jesus. Like, don't you want to have this, this intimacy with Christ that is such, it's, there's so much to that, that when people see you and they have questions about you and they wonder why you are the way they are, and they're like... <laughs> You just smell different. There's something about you. It's not obsession, all right? It's not that perfume. It is, it's just that there's a sweetness about your spirit that just smells good. We smell, we are the aroma of Jesus. Psalm 141, verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like evening sacrifice. So when we pray, like God just... Breathe them in. It's powerful. Okay, what about taste? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. That's in Psalm 34, verse 8. And when we taste and we see, when we, when we eat, we worship you ever had a meal like that where you're just like, man, I just feel like God is in the middle of this. Like I'm so, it's so good and I'm so grateful for what it is that God has done for me. I just feel like it's a time of worship. When we eat, we can be thankful. I know we, most of us pray before we eat. We pray and we give thanks. But when we are being thankful, can we also be mindful of those who are sitting down together as a family and there's really not enough to go around. And somebody's going to have to go without. Do you know that happens all over the world? Right here, right now, today. And I'm not trying to bring you down, but I'm trying to lift your head up to see that there is so much need around us. And when we eat, we can be thankful. It doesn't mean that we should feel bad about eating, but we should pray and intercede for those who are going without. And if God opens our eyes and our ears to those needs, then we can do something about it. Right here in our own community. Every Wednesday night, families come to the treasure chest and they're hungry. Uh, matter of fact, it's just a real quick side note. <laughs> I wasn't even planning on doing this, but but that's something we need to draw some more awareness to because the budget for the treasure chest has been cut 
and we're just not able to give as much as we were able to give before. And maybe that's an area where our church can say, you know what, not on our watch. We're gonna make sure that there's enough to go around. We'll give you more details about that later. But that's maybe something we can do to help make sure there's enough to, to go around. Maybe, maybe you deny yourself a taste. Maybe you say, like Alex was talking about, he was praying and he was fasting. That's a scary word. Nobody enjoys the word fasting. You hope you're going to me to get through that fast and not talk about it a lot. But maybe there's a time and a place where we say no to something in order so that we can say yes to something better that God is doing in our life. Have you ever denied yourself something in order to, to seek a breakthrough in your life? There probably are several things in our life that we could do without because they're just not good for us anyway. <laughs> and we could just sacrifice those things, say no to those things, and, 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 and let God uh, bring a new awareness. You know, fasting actually kind of helps your body get rid of some toxins. And also, what it, here's what it does. It heightens your senses. Your sense of smell becomes more uh, powerful. Your, your vision, your hearing, there's something real powerful about that. And then the last one is touch. Do you know positive touch can transfer an external and an internal warmth to the other person? Do you know that there were uh, precious people that I love so much at the Baptist Church that one of the reasons why they love coming to church so much is because it was the one time a week that they got a positive touch from someone because they lived alone. And they sought that out. And those hugs were life-giving because they had no one there to hug them at their home all week long. We can transfer blessings and initiate healing through touch. You know the story about the woman who came up and touched Jesus' garment? She experienced healing just because of her one touch to Jesus. Matthew 9, uh, verse 27 through 29 talks about Jesus went on and two blind men followed him, calling out, have mercy on us, son of David. So think about it. Jesus obviously saw them and he hears them. And let's just be real. He probably smelled them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the smell, the senses in this story, Jesus is walking along. It says, when he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked, he asked them this question. He says, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes and said, according to your faith, let it be done to you. You could find multiple, multiple passages in scripture where Jesus touched people to heal them. Which you, you think, well, okay, that's Jesus. That's what, he, that's what he does, right? But in that culture, holy things should not come in contact with unholy things. Clean things should not have anything to do with unclean things. And a person who was blind, who did not have that sense, was considered unclean. They, actually, they considered something's wrong with them. There's something wrong because they're blind. There's something wrong. If they were deaf, same thing. They could not walk. There was something wrong. There was sin. Somebody sinned. Somebody sinned in their family or they sinned. And they were unclean. Un, 
touchable. Isn't it good news that Jesus is willing to touch you and me as unclean as we are? That's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done with these senses that you've been given, Jesus is willing to touch you. How about these words from this classic hymn? Shackled by the heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame. Anybody know this, this hymn? Can you hear it now? Can you remember hearing this being sung in church? He touched me. Yeah, let your senses take you back. My mom's standing next to me. I'm a little boy. I'm looking up and I can hear my mom singing this song. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. He touched me. And now I am no longer the same. For he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And now all the wonderful joy that floods my soul. Something happened, right? And now what? Now you what? I know. know. Now I know. He touched me and made me. He made me whole. That's the power of touch. And guess what? You know who he uses to touch the lives of people on this earth right now? You (laughs) and me. The unholy are made holy to touch those who need it. Amen, Amen, right? That's right. That's beautiful. If we want to be men and women after his heart, we must learn to spend some consistent time with him. That's the greatest gift that I can give you today. Just learn to do that. You'll not be disappointed. All right, let's finish up. Worship team, come on up. Psalm 23. But we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna hear it differently. Listen. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. I can see, I can see with my eyes how God cares for me like this, sh- this shepherd cared for these sheep. I see his care. I see it, uh, I see the evidence of it in my life. And because of that, I don't have to want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Can you imagine what does that feel like to be in that place of comfort and rest? There's so much turmoil in the world, but when God says, I just want you to lay down, I want you to be still, and I want you to rest in this place of comfort, feel that. And he leads me beside quiet waters, and he restores my soul. Like there's no noise, there's no, it's just quiet, and maybe all you can hear is like a brook and the water just trickling down over some rocks. It's not loud, it's not oppressive, it's just, it's quiet but you can still hear it he guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake he shows me where to go he shows me and he points it out for me and I can see it with my eyes and as I walk down that path and there's lots of things that try to distract me and pull me off to the left or to the right but he he has this path for me that I see with my eyes I see it with my eyes and I see it with my heart and I want to follow that path because 
It's for his benefit. And it's also for ours. He does it for his namesake so that the people will know. People will know and they'll see it in us. And they're like, wait, why are you walking down this path? It doesn't make sense. He's like, everybody else is going this way. You're like, no, this is the path he's carved out for me. I see it. And it's for his benefit. It's for his glory. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, listen, can you imagine the sound, the, just the, the, the things that we hear and the things that we see and the, just walking through this valley, it's dark, it's cold, it's lonely, but we don't have to fear any evil because he is with us. And with his rod and his staff, he's touching us. He's, he's correcting us. As we start to get off, he, he's got this staff and he reaches out and he taps us. He touches us. No, 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 no. This way. No, no, don't go. No, don't go. Sometimes it's the hook. You know, all of us at one point or another need the hook. When he reaches out, he grabs us and says, nope, back over here. I'm going to correct you even though it hurts. I love you enough to touch you and not let you go there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Even in the presence of my enemies, when the things are not going well and things are hard, God still cares for us. He still feeds us and makes sure that we have the nourishment that we need. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Can you imagine the smell? Anointing oil has this certain smell to it, and it's just pouring over your head. You can just smell it, and you smell his presence. Like it's a, it's a sense of of uh, when someone is anointed, it's a sense of honor for them. And he anoints us with this oil. And then it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you imagine what our senses will be like in heaven? Oh, the things that we will see. The things that we will hear with these ears. The smells. The touch of, of God in that place. The things that we will experience at his table. It's going to be good. But we don't have to wait till then (laughs) to experience him that way. Don't wait. Choose today (laughs) to say, I want to have that heart. I want my senses to to be used to to see him and to see his work in this this world that we live in and for him to guide me and for him to provide for me. Let's pray. Father, as we finish up our time together, as we use our voices to praise you, as we speak these words that come out of our mouth to you, Lord, would you be honored and glorified would you magnify our senses right here on earth so that we can see you and hear you and taste you and touch you so may it be so and thank you for each individual life that's represented here today and that you are their shepherd and they are your sheep and we just need you. Would you, need, you need us, we need you to guide us, Lord. We just need you. As we um, sing together, I just, I don't want this day to go by without acknowledging my friend Kim and Steve and their family and Fran and 
how they have walked a year ago, they had to walk through this valley of the shadow of death, losing Landon. And this week is the anniversary, and I don't, I don't want to make them cry, I don't, but I want, to, I want to acknowledge that so as a church we can continue to pray for them to, to know God's healing in their hearts and just to know his presence and him leading them. Though they walk through that valley, they don't have to fear because God's with them and we're with them, you know. And uh, so pray for them this week. It'll be, it's going to be a hard week. Encourage them. Just reach, if you're close to them, reach out and just touch them right now. Remember that power of touch? All right, so if you just need to pray, whatever, whatever God's leading you to do, just follow through.